Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Hollywood Wolfpack with Kaya Alexander. Featuring in-depth interviews and insights with professionals in the entertainment business. Get everything you need to navigate your above-the-line career right here. This podcast is often recorded live in front of Kaya students in the Entertainment Business School. You can find out more at entertainmentbusinessschool.com. Hollywood Wolfpack is the new face of entertainment business wisdom. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome. I'm Kaya Alexander, host of the Entertainment Business Wisdom podcast. Super stoked to be here with my special guests today, the amazing Jake Thornton and Ben Lustig. Let me tell you about them. They burst on the scene when their spec, Winter's Night, sparked a five-studio bidding war before selling to Sony for seven figures, a fantasy adventure about a Viking warrior whose epic journey leads him to become the legendary Santa Claus. The script established the duo as imaginative masters of adaptation. Since then, they've penned multiple projects for Sony, Amazon, Universal, and Warner Brothers, including a sci-fi adventure inspired by the life of H.G. Wells, an animated series about werewolves in ancient Rome, and a pilot based on the juggernaut video game franchise, Final Fantasy. In 2020, Ben and Jake sold their spec script, The Princess, to 20th Century Studios and Hulu with original film and Derek Kolstad producing, starring Joey King, who is so great, and directed by LeVan Keat. Production was underway by summer 2021, and in July of 2022, the film made its debut on Hulu. Hooray! I'm so excited to have you guys here. Thank you so much. Expertly read. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I, must, I must do this a lot. I must. <laughs> I'm so stoked you guys are here. I've really been enjoying getting to know you. And I got to say, I loved your movie. The princess was so great. You, It just looked like you must have had so much fun writing it and making it and everything else. So I want to give you a huge congratulations and shout out to everybody listening. You got to see this film. Thank you so much. Yes, you, are, was, you, are, uh... you are the masters of the anti-trope. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. As, as as shines in in the princess, and I, I want to talk about it first because it's such a great oh. film, and I just felt the whole time I was watching it like my inner sixteen year old just felt so vindicated and triumphant seeing this movie because you don't see women in these badassery positions where they really triumph and they get to fight and she's this badass warrior and like it was awesome. Will you tell us how you got the idea, how you started working on the script together? Sure. Well, uh, I think it was 2019. Yeah, summer. And twenty, and we were waiting. We were wait- oh, oh, uh, is that? I can't. Is that Shane? Shane M. Please, can you mute yourself, please, really quickly? Thank you. <laughs> it's okay. I love seeing your kid. By the way, it's great. <laughs> anyway, we were uh, 2019. Um, we were waiting to go into a meeting. We were in Ben's car on Sunset, but Ben literally pitched me the idea. He said. Jake, what if it was 
a reverse raid, but with a uh, fairy tale princess in a fairy tale tower. And by a reverse raid, we mean the raid, great classic action movie, um, whereby a, a group of cops go in on the ground level of a high rise building and move up level by level. They're trying to get a drug dealer at the top. And it's an awesome, fun action film. We thought, let's do that, but with something that we've never seen before. And instantly it was like, yes, that's a movie. Like instantly, there was no question about it at all. And uh, and we got I, got, I got super excited about it. Oh, yeah. I love that. It was, um, it really was like kind of the thing where we were both like, this is, this is going to be fun. We, we definitely were, were excited to write it. The interesting thing is that at first, um, we didn't jump right into that script. We talked to our, our manager and pitched him the idea. And he was like, I love that idea. It sounds so great. And yet I have no idea who buys that. So maybe it oh, would be God. really good sample and we're not really jake and i are not the kind of writers who write samples <laughs> we write things to um so we uh we we were like oh okay and we had some other jobs that we were working on at the time but then those jobs let up and we had a break and we were like you know what I'm just itching to write this so let's just Let's just do it and see what happens. You never, no one knows anything in Hollywood. No right? one knows anything. Yeah. Oh my God, right? And you know, yeah. I feel like there's this huge underserved audience actually that this film is for. We don't see a lot of action movies starring women, you know, much mm -hmm. less with this incredible hand-to-hand -hand work. I mean, how how much did you know about this kind of hand-to-hand -hand combat, broadsword combat before you got into writing the script? Well, it's funny, you know, we've always lived in, and you know, like everyone always says, never write period. We've written period and I think we've only ever sold period stuff. So we, <laughs> we, we love, we love all that stuff anyway. So it wasn't, it wasn't a deep stretch for us to, to, to go, oh, well, how to, how to, how, how would that kind of fighting work? But I think what we did with this was we were constantly trying to find ways of going, well, how can she in this moment not have a sword? Uh, what can she improvise with? here um and i think when you watch the movie that's still so present um you know there's moments when she's in the kitchen and she's like what do you fight with when you're in a medieval kitchen yeah, or totally. when she is when she's you know in a room and all she's got is the lace from her corset and we found this great video on youtube that was fighting with rope this oh. person who fights and we we're like and they were like let's we've got to get that in somewhere and it's in the final movie, so it's great. So, so yeah, it was always fun about like finding new ways to be creative in terms of for e even fighting with swords it's and shields. It's interesting that you mentioned like the anti-trope and also like, you know, that we don't see um, women in these roles as frequently. And I think that actually was a lot of the inspiration for us was to go, um, why not? Like why, like, why shouldn't we? And yes, there are some challenges to that, but let's lean into those. You know, one of the things we really wanted from the beginning was that the princess gets hurt. She, yes, yeah. these guys are bigger than her, but that doesn't mean she can't beat them. And she uses the stuff around her and she uses her smaller size and even her weight to kind of take advantage of these guys. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a, an early conversation that Jake and I had was, you know, there's these movies constantly and it's been this way forever where a guy is in an action movie and you just kind of go okay like he can kick ass great and yeah. you just kind of accept it and there's not really an explanation as to why you can't just accept that a girl could also be in that role yeah. um and so we really kind of wanted to do 
almost the most extreme version, which is the Disney princess or that, you know, and go, well, it's not, you know, a girl who is, you know, a military expert or whatever. No, like, like this is the fairy tale princess. And why can't she be a badass? Totally. You know? Yeah. Why can't she be a badass? Well, and I also appreciate that you're a couple of guys opening this door for possibility of seeing women in these types of roles on screen. And I think we need that. I think because the industry is so male oriented that like a, a couple guys opening that door is going to mean that so many more writers and projects and movies can walk through that door and see their projects made because it can help prove out the audience. So I just want to thank you because I think it's fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that we really had, you know, the studio had, you know, wanted to do was also get a female director. And it was and it was tough because anyone who is good at this particular genre, action, that kind of stuff, there's a very small handful currently, a very small handful. And they and they are all booked for like three or four years <laughs> and it's really anyway and, and we were like and eventually we didn't we ended up going with uh a vietnamese director named live and whose movie fury um great fantastic taken star movie we watched and we were like oh yeah he's totally the right guy <laughs> like if we're gonna go for a guy it's gonna be this guy so but yeah it's um you know i think i think you know we need more more w- women directors who can really who can really do this kind of genre well so I, I i just continually am hoping that that continues to happen in our industry yeah we've got to give women those opportunities because if they're not given the opportunity then they don't get the credit if they don't have the credit they can't make the next one so it's a matter exactly. of like somebody's got to roll the dice on some of these amazing women directors that are chomping at the bit to make an action movie you know absolutely they're out they're absolutely. out there they're and i think the movie itself was like always intended to be about breaking those boundaries mm-hmm. like even the, like the whole idea the metaphor behind the character was you know the social norms of these worlds and not just the times but literally the worlds themselves that we see um her breaking free from that and also the movie breaking free from our expectations as well it was definitely something we wanted to do i have a I have a five and a half year old daughter and that was a lot of kind of the inspiration was like just going to Disneyland all the time. And my daughter loves Disney princesses, but (laughs) I I don't, you know, I, I want her. My son walked out of frozen. Oh really? Oh, I've watched frozen about a thousand times. Uh, It's just a repeat still. Uh, But you know, I, I want her to grow up and, and think that like anything's possible, you know? I love that me I'm making this type of movie for her. I mean, for like my my younger self, for for the girls, but also for the boys to see this, you know, to see what women are capable of to to command respect like that. It was beautiful. It kind of reminded me of some of the old Bruce Lee movies too. I mean, there's a lot. Really. Of, I mean, I <laughs> love that. You know, it's just so ninja and so beautiful. I love it. <laughs> mentor you know this incredible female asian character who's like imparting to her not only her like a prowess and ability but also her belief in herself which comes so into play in the importance of her uh you know facing up against these horrible odds i mean it is i thought it was fantastic so i commend you on it what was it like being on set you know you don't get to hear many writers even getting to be on the set of their movies and i was happy to hear you guys were there well, it's one of the things that it's not known, but that in the in the WGA there is a provision which says that you must that you must be invited to set. You must have the opportunity to visit set. Now, they won't necessarily fly you there. They won't necessarily pay for you to get there, but you do have the right to go and visit set. Right. And it's and it's it's not a very 
broadly known thing. But again, we always make sure we were told by other writers, by the way, make sure you get to go to set. Um, it was excellent. It was amazing. I, I think the biggest thing for me and Ben was going, oh, this isn't how we saw it when we wrote it. I think, you know, obviously when you're writing something, you picture it in your mind. They always say that the writer is the first person who's seen the movie because they're <laughs> doing it there. But when we got there, it was better than we imagined. And that was, I think, so wonderful because I it was like, oh, wow. Like we never saw the stone this color. small things like we never saw the courtyard being this color we never saw that and when you went there and you suddenly saw it you were like oh my goodness this is what it feels like to then be in the creative collaboration of film where everybody is bringing their own expertise and it becomes more than the thing that we initially envisioned and that was that was joyful it really was yeah, it was it was great. We um we also uh had the fortunate uh experience of getting to be co-producers on the movie. Um it wasn't quite as much involvement as we wanted, um, but um we did get to read drafts as they were coming through, and we were able to um you know, keep in touch with the producers even after we were no longer involved. And then of course, you know, two weeks on set. And um, it, it was a really interesting process because you really just don't know exactly how it's going to be until you're there watching it. Mm -hmm. And I think like the biggest thing for me was watching Joey. I mean, Absolutely. like the sets and everything were incredible, but she just blew me away. And, oh, absolutely. Her performance is just incredible. Oh, yeah. And watching her get ready for takes and just her commitment. I mean, this girl's doing push-ups in between takes to just get herself pumped and she's been doing it for like six hours you know the same choreography over and over and over and it was just she was awesome so awesome that focus i mean it yeah absolutely I, your whole cast was interesting i loved uh as a weapon the whip and the whip <laughs> that was like one of my favorite parts of the movie it was yeah. so great and were you, I mean, you went from, you know, being on set and seeing it to then, of course, actually screening the film. What was that experience like? Well, it was interesting really because interesting. we did get a chance to go to an audience preview, which are fascinating. So, um, you know, audience previews are where um, they are showing the film to a small select audience, but just regular normal people and then asking them from that, for their feedback afterwards and the film was probably about 85 percent done there were still some visual effects shots that weren't fully finished yeah, the score wasn't but finished, the like score that. wasn't fully finished either it was fascinating to just sit at the back when the focus group was going on afterwards hearing what people thought about it and fed back about it was that was that was and again if at any point anyone gets a chance to do that either as a writer or at any creative level in a movie yeah. it's really great to see what people are reacting to and responding to because that obviously affects how the film's marketed what kind uh, of discoveries did you make while you were experiencing that um i mean there were there were a few things that we um had not even thought about really um in terms of just like there were a couple of comments of people who um felt like the R rating wasn't necessarily earned in their mind, which was an interesting way to put it, um, where we were like, oh, like they were like, you know, if this is going to be an R rated movie, like why isn't there the other elements of an R rating? Mm -hmm. um, there was a conversation at one point with the studio about making it PG-13. We always fought for it to be an R rating. And actually in our script, our first 
script that we sold, there was nudity and sex and lots of F-bombs. And um, like, we really went for it. And it was also, it was interesting to hear like one of these panelists basically, or well, not panelists, but you know, yeah. the, the guests oh, sure. basically be like affirming what we had felt from the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> it was interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was a lot of that. There was a lot of interesting things about moments too, where people were mm-hmm. like, you know, would call out a specific moment and go, you know, oh, I really loved this beat, or I really liked how we got to see this, but I would have wanted more of mm-hmm. the training, or I would have wanted, you know, I wish there had been um, a different way in which the ending perhaps happened or things like that like it was yeah. really as a writer to to hear the lay person kind of talk about the movie in like how you would talk to your friends was really interesting yeah and not yeah. thinking about structure and you know character arcs and stuff it just it was more like it was really fun here i really like <laughs> you know um, and you go yeah that's actually what's important like at the end of the day that's what's important yeah yeah. So. It was such a feel good too. I love a movie with a happy ending. Thanks for that. <laughs> <You're welcome. laughs> I need more of them. I mean, she I wasn't going like... to die in the end, you know, but it's funny, you know, we had, we had, we had several versions and actually in the, in the original version of the script, the King died at the midpoint and okay. her mentor died at the, at the, at the darkest moment. So all that, that was that changed. Happened. So I was pleasantly surprised that we had some happiness, you know, going <laughs> I was like, I kind of, I don't know about everybody else, but I'm a little bit over all the darkness. We've had so much of it through the pandemic. We've and everything else. I'm like, oh, I can't take it yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was interesting. I mean, it was all obviously through the development process. We, we started writing the script and before the pandemic ever happened, but then sold it during the pandemic and then i think there was definitely some from straight from the studio head going we don't want anyone to die like none of us <laughs> we were like oh okay and okay. i think that's i think that's um, part of the of the disney of it all because of course disney now owns 20th century studios sure. and i think they even though they were um you know playing in the slightly more grown up space yeah, film wise dialed that time. Band, like, yeah, like Disney every Disney princess, has the parents. dead moms of Disney. Yeah. I mean, that's all there is—is is dead moms all of Disney. The time, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's interesting because um, there were elements because uh, they were making prey at the same time, and there were elements oh in our in our story that kind of mirrored that. There was a there was a brother character at one point as well, and all that all that got taken out. And we were like, oh, that's a shame. We really felt that was a good thing in the story. And then when when I saw prey, I was like. Oh, because the movie that was going to be coming out literally a month later that lives in a similar space mm-hmm. had very similar story elements. And you suddenly go, oh, OK, it's not necessarily just about this movie. It's also what is being presented on the slate by the right. studio later on this year. So that's like so fascinating. And I think a lot of emerging writers don't even really realize how many cooks there are going to be in that kitchen by oh, the yeah. time oh. your movie actually comes out. You know, I don't know what you guys do, but it seems like for me, my answer is always to go work on the next thing. How do you how do you how What's your process like? Yeah, I mean, in terms of like, <laughs> like a sinister sold, giggle from Jake there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, once we're, you know, let go from the process, so to speak, you know, like 
you could call it fired, you could call it replaced, you call it whatever. Uh, the writer at some point is pretty much like, okay, your your role is done here. Um, but yeah, for Thank us, it's, it's the same. It's um, okay. Let's move on to the next one and hope hope and pray that it it comes out good. Um, yeah. Because uh, it was an original spec and because this one, um, we were able to be co-producers, we wanted to be a little bit more involved, but we were absolutely like, once our writing duties were finished, we were on to the next project and trying right. not to trying not to get too frustrated or concerned about the things so, that changed. <laughs> so to be clear, what we are, what we are saying on this is that in January of 2021, we were replaced as writers and they brought on another writer to come and do some work. Uh, and, and that writer saw kind of through the first two weeks of production and she was great and she did some awesome work on it. And we're very, and we're very grateful to her. Um, mm -hmm. And afterwards there was um, a credit arbitration, uh, which deemed that because this was an original spec screenplay, I wasn't based on any other material uh, that her contributions did not amount to her getting credit on the movie, but there was another writer that was involved with it. And as Ben was saying, because we were co-producing, absolutely all the yeah. time. Um, and obviously it's hard every single time. Yeah. And also you just have to kind of be a grown up about it and go, okay. And like Ben's saying, just yeah. get on, write the next thing. Nice. But yeah, we did get to see drafts and we could see the shape it was taking. And while we didn't give notes directly on those drafts, because we were still in touch with the other producer, we could say, hey, there's a moment here that's that's you may not realize, but that's right. going to affect this thing up here. And they were like, oh, okay, right. <laughs> so <laughs> we got yeah. to give a little feedback on it. Yeah, be careful when you pull on that string, the whole thing can come unraveled, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> I get it's it. so Absolutely. interesting when you're, when you, when you're replaced, um, which, which honestly, every writer I've talked to is like, it happens almost on every single movie. Yeah. Um, and, but, but that you've been living with it for so long and you've gone down all the different roads and you've, and you've made choices because you know that if you don't make that choice, then this doesn't work or that doesn't work. And you've spent all those hours, months, maybe even years figuring those things out. And then someone comes on board that read the script like twice and mm -hmm. they start to do notes. And really like that's ultimately what the, what the new writer ultimately is there for is to do the studio notes. But they're not coming from it from the same level of knowledge of all those threads like you're right. talking about. So all of a sudden, like the studio goes, hey, you know what? What if we do this? And they go, yeah, that, that sounds like fun. But going back and going, well, actually, we, we tried that like six months ago. <laughs> we know why that doesn't work because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Um, and it can, be, it can be challenging. I also think it's part of the reason why a lot of movies aren't good um i totally agree not, it, i felt that way about the last bond film by the way i was like mm -hmm. this is like uh i mean if it was an animal it would be like you know a zebra elephant you know giraffe mm -hmm. beaver mm -hmm. thing like it was mm -hmm. just all these pieces that went together that were like it's, okay i see it yeah. got merged together but they were yeah. like four different it's, movies that were smushed together it's so funny because i think so many big studio movies really suffer from that Mm -hmm. This kind of, they don't know what they are. They're these weird chimera hybrids. And it starts chimera off one hybrid. way and you go, you know, like what's going on? I mean, I think the only great big movie that I've seen recently that I know has been in development for years was Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> and I was like, and there were a list of names, a litany of names, and they, even more people worked on that that didn't get credit. I was like, luckily this one works and worked really well. 
<laughs> you know, well, because that's the end of the day. What what was it? It was Chris McQuarrie that basically probably did most of that writing, and it probably ended up because he and Tom Cruise basically do everything together. Now. <laughs> sure, yeah, um, yeah the uni, the unibrain of yeah, <laughs> the yeah. there. Was like in TV, they figured out at some point that oh, you need one writer overseeing this from beginning to end to keep mm -hmm. that cohesiveness, right. so that because they know the whole thing. Yep. And for some reason in features, they feel like, well, no, once you've written it, it's done, right? Mm -hmm. But then they don't keep it that way. They keep adding on to it, but don't have the foresight to go, oh, maybe we should have one writer keeping track of all these things in the same way that TV has figured this out for decades. <laughs> it would really help. I mean, to to for anyone who's listening who doesn't really understand the studio perspective on this, they're, they're kind of coming from a, a fear mindset of, of covering their asses, right? So they find a script, oh, they love it, oh, it's great. Oh, but is it funny enough? Is it violent enough? Is it sexy enough? And then they already have a list of writers who are like, oh, we need it to be funnier. Oh, so we gotta put that writer on it because we trust that their yeah. sense of humor did well at the box office. So we're gonna let them do a pass on the script or whatever it is. And so they take something that may have the viability for an audience, but they don't trust it. And then they yeah. start to bring on a lot of other writers and, and totally often change the marrow of these scripts. I have a friend who wrote a beautiful historical romance epic that was purchased. And then he, of course, it got a nice seven figure paycheck, got fired. The next writer who came on had to make it into a, um, a two-hander star vehicle rom-com set in the present day. And it was Really? It's bizarre, isn't it? It's totally he bizarre. Yeah. He was so embarrassed going to the like premiere. He invited us and I was like, you know, of course, you know, we want to go see your movie in the premiere. He's like, oh, it may not be worth it. I don't know if you want to come. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, uh, and then we get there and it's like this massive press event. It's at Cromans. I was like, you really kind of undersold this premiere. You better dress. <laughs> there's also there's also another element to to it as well, which is about uh, studio executives trying to keep their jobs. Oh, and it's about that. the and it's about oh that that small oh, thing it's about the and it's about the insurance of having another writer and what do I mean by that? Well, if a movie doesn't do well, they are able to say I don't know why the script was great. I got so and so to come and do a draft of it, you know. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't me, you know. And oh, also, God. if it does well, it's like see, I hired these other writers to come in and do all this work, and therefore it yeah. did really well. So it's absolutely that's part of the game too. And again, it's just this thing of like, you're feeding a script into this machine and you kind of step <laughs> back and like watch what it does. And it's like, okay, you know, but it's, well, it's um, going to come yeah. out at the other end. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I, yeah. I want to walk with you guys back in time a little bit because it, in terms of your bromance, I want to hear your mute, your meet cute story. I mean, how did, <laughs> do tell, do tell. Oh goodness. Um, it was 14 years ago. Uh, I think it was 14 years ago this month, actually. It's really, it's like, yeah, it's our, it's our, yeah, writer relationship anniversary. Um, we had known each other as acquaintances before, and I um, had written a spec on my own that I had decided I really um, was wanting a partner to help me kind of take that spec to the next level. So I sent out a Facebook message 
specifically to people I knew in the industry, whether they were actors or producers or whomever, and just saying, hey, if you know anyone that might be looking for a writing partner, I have this script. I had written another movie prior that had gotten made. And so I was like, here's who I am and let them know and da da da. And Jake got the message because we knew each other and um, he totally ignored me. I just ignored it. (laughs) I ignored it. It's like, (laughs) wipe that way. Nope. Yeah, I'm always, I'm always involved in these romances that seem like they're going to fail. They're usually the ones that end up working out. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I had just started dating uh, one of Ben's long-term friends who they were acting school, school together with in the late 90s. And she was like, did you, did you get Ben's message? I know you know Ben, did you get his message? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, you know you've been trying to work on your screenplay for a really long time. It's all your, all your index cards are up on your wall and you're not doing anything. And I, mm. I think you two would be really good together. So I reached back out to Ben and we met and hung out and discovered that we just like all the same movies. And I read his script and I was like, yeah, this is, this is awesome. And so we just, we just started working together uh, from that point. It was October of October of, of 2008. Yeah. And uh, it worked out because I married Ben and I married the girl. Beautiful thing. You got a couple then, keepers out of it. Oh my exactly, goodness. exactly. It was and it was years of us just kind of um trying to find our our voice together and writing yep. a bunch of scripts and then um both working multiple support jobs. Mm-hmm. Um and slowly finding our first manager that led to our first agent that led to our first scripts going out to town that didn't sell. And then finally, what, eight and a half years ago, um, yeah. we sold Winter's Night. And that was the beginning, really, of our professional career. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tell us more about that, because that sounds like fun. Uh, yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, we had we had, had this idea. And it, it was a really interesting point in our career as well, because our first script was just about to go on sale. Our first script went on sale and didn't sell. And then our manager at the time dropped us. Oh, and we had just started with my with my first novel. I know that pain oh, very well. Really, oh. really, really hard. Yeah. And uh, we had just started writing this Santa Claus story, and, and literally in the email where he where he dumped us, he basically said, "You know, I don't think this. I don't think a Santa Claus idea is very good. People have tried it and failed." And we were like, mm. "Oh, okay." And but we just kept on. We just kept. We just kept on writing it. We just kept on writing it. We, we managed to get a new manager, and then in 2013. Um, our agent at the time reached out and said, oh, there's a producer who would like to meet with you. Um, we sent him a script and, you know, just to have a general with him. So we went to go and meet this producer, Lawrence Gray. And uh, we were just talking about, you know, where we we're up to, what we were doing, et cetera. Yeah. He says, before, before you get to anything you're working, I want to pitch you guys an idea. And we were like, sure, what is it? He's like, what's the origin story of Santa Claus? And we were like, well, you know, we've, written that movie right and he's and like, like are you punking us are you like, running oh, with us and we're like, right? we're like no we had no idea yeah and he had no idea and he had and no he idea yeah he had no idea we hadn't actually because our old manager had dropped us over this script really or come part of it um we hadn't told anyone else about it we didn't even tell our agent didn't even know about it and so when he said this we were like you've got to be like how do you know that we have a draft of exactly what you're saying? I mean, it was totally like kismet in that way. Yeah. So we immediately were like, here's the draft. And he had his thoughts and notes. We went into development and he was, 
he was really great at the development part and it was our first real in-depth i think development yeah really um, and then he managed to hustle because uh, he was a good producer and he hustled and got um yokum ronin and espen sandberg who were just coming off kentucky and we're about to do Pirates of the Caribbean five. Not amazing. I have a and, history with Contiki. I love, I love that story. And I know, yeah. uh, I know, um, Thor Heyerdahl's widow. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. I just, I just like goes way back with my heart. But anyways, go ahead. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. No, they they came on board, and and um, and that's really what completed that package. I mean, we ended up attaching Mark Platt to produce as well. Yes. Um, but I just want to say though, Ben, that during this time, we were having probably the the hardest year of our lives. Yeah. Like individually. Uh, ben had back surgery that year. We have hilarious memories of him sitting in his lazy boy, high on drugs, oh. while our, legal drugs, pain oh. drugs, pain meds. Me kind of like, going, yeah. okay, okay. I was, you know, my first son had just been born. I was working at the Apple store in the Beverly Center part-time. Oh we God. had no money. I was driving for Uber at night, but writing every lunch hour, every day off, you know, just kind of going. And, and it was, we reached a point that year where it was, where it was, if this one doesn't go, we're going to have to really think about if this is you know, what life's going to look like. I was going, yeah. I'm going to have to go and get a full-time job. I can't no. be doing this. I had had the conversation with, yeah, I had, I had the conversation with my wife at the time of like, cause I, I never graduated college. I, I did two years and then moved out to Los Angeles um, and said, screw school. I'm going to go and make it in Hollywood. Um, and it was like, okay, if this doesn't sell, I might have to go back to school. Like it was like, we were at that yeah. point and then um it was you know a miracle I, I and i do i mean i feel like big sales like what we had are really just a combination of all the stars aligning and and obviously the script had to be good but it was a combination of the script the moment that we were selling it which was very much the coming out of the snow white and the huntsman and everybody wanting this public domain ip and what could you do with it mm. we um we kind of reworked in an L Frank Baum book that was public domain, whereby we changed some character names and found a way to have it be inspired by the life and adventures of L Frank yeah. Baum. So we had that. Then we had these really hot directors that were, you know, about to do a huge movie. And, um, and when it went on sale, we just, we had a bidding war. Uh, I was just going to ask you yeah, about that because that's, that, that's how that price gets driven up. That's oh, Absolutely. that's so exciting. It was, it was like the, the craziest Friday of my life that the <laughs> night before our agent called us up and was like, just so you know, we have multiple studios that are interested. We are having an auction. It starts tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Be by your phones. <laughs> I call. I called in sick to the Apple Store. Oh, good. Okay. Like, yeah, I can't. I can't. I can't be hustling to the back room every five minutes taking these calls. Like I'm just yeah. going to call in sick today, you know. And it was. And it was. And it was. And it was. And it was nuts. And the price that I going up and going up and going up and going up. And ultimately, it landed, and we sold Winter's Night for a million dollars, and that was our first sale. And I. And I still stand. Or in, in awe and humbled by that experience because again, it was the result of. Oh, cry. Just a year of so much pain, oh my difficulty, God. you know, just like, but you gotta, you know, when you have those moments, you just gotta like, it's that thing that one of your class just saying, like, it is the dark night of the soul in your hero's journey. Are you going to give up 
or are you going to keep going and just like keep that dream alive? And it was, it was amazing. And it changed my life. It changed mine and Ben's lives. So yeah. Oh my God. I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> As Ben can attest, I cry all the time. It's just like, ah, oh, Jake's crying again. <laughs> oh, I love this story so much. <laughs> but yeah, it was a good one. Will you, will you tell us about your writing process? And I want people to know that you've got a really cool new YouTube channel. They, uh, ben and Jake write a movie. So you can actually yeah. check out their YouTube channel. But I think it's on Twitch first, but and, and actually see that get inside their writing process and, and like how they yeah. work together. Talk to we, us about uh, how, how you have talk to us about how you write a movie, guys. Yeah, well, um, but uh, thanks for the plug on the YouTube channel. We are, we're not going to do on Twitch. There wasn't much of an audience there, but YouTube's been great. Um, and uh, we just had this idea of going. A lot of people ask like how do we do it as partners and how yes. does that look like? And we were like, let's just do it for, let's just do it live uh, and see how it goes. Either we succeed and have a great idea or we uh, crash and burn in front of the world and that's okay. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately it's going well so far. We're really enjoying it. I mean, Jake and I basically, the way we, the way we do it is we will sit around for hours and hours and hours and hours. We will take entire afternoons, even when we're working on deadlines and go, you know what, today's an idea day. And let's just throw stuff up against the wall and see what sticks and think about what kind of movies are we interested in right now? Where's our creative energy? Is there something that we feel we haven't done or a way that we can step just one step outside of our brand to continue kind of expanding that as part of where the princess came from. It was like, we hadn't done an R-rated movie yet. Can we just keep the same fairy tale stuff that we're doing, but let's go hard R with it. Um, and uh, and hopefully a good idea comes from all of that. Yeah. <laughs> and so we really, we really came to, at the, the start of the podcast with really no no idea what the what the idea for the movie was going to be and over the last where are we 10 nine hours nine yeah, hours of hours. nine plus hours of content now and we've only been doing it for a couple of weeks you know so if yeah. you if you start watching now you are getting in early on this on this process but we have just been batting around an idea and it and it it it, it grew last week and now right now we are we are still in the broad sense of outlining it yeah. but every time we get on you'll see us working through working through our ideas but again you know it's like a lot of writing is talking with us yeah you know it is talking a lot of talking <laughs> but you know that is the thank aspect. god imagine if your whole like youtube is just silent and you guys are awesome in silence yeah okay we even talk as we we just talk it through all the time we get to we get to to play and we ask each other lots of questions and then you know we'll we'll argue our ideas with each other but i think even like on a on a kind of just like actual structural way in which we write we once we find that idea we like to kind of go macro down so first yeah. we'll go okay let's just figure out the broad structure what's our starting point what's our ending point what's our midpoint and then you know maybe okay what's a couple of good set pieces because we do tend to write in big worlds and big action um and then slowly build, you know, break that down into a very detailed outline. Um, some of our outlines can be like 40 pages long. Um, is it like a beach sheet outline where you're laying? Yeah, it is. It will be, yeah. it will be literally interior, exterior scene headings. Mm -hmm. and, 
scenes, yeah. The content of that scene, we might throw in lines of dialogue if we already yeah. know something already. I work that, I work but, yeah. that way too. It really helps oh, yeah. by the time you get to the yeah. pages to have it. And it's, you can fix it in the outline before yeah. it's like off the rails, yeah. That's totally. it. And again, like we don't, you know, we don't stick religiously to an outline. If in the writing of it, we're like, you know what? This isn't working. We need to do, we need to change it and yeah. do that. Then we do. But it just gives us the roadmap for the direction that we're going. And, you know, sometimes you might go, I don't really know what that scene is. Ben doesn't do this because Ben always likes to write in order, but I might go, oh, let me just jump to that end part there. You know, like at least we know where we're, where we're going and what we're doing. Um, yeah. But then in terms of when it actually comes to scripting pages, uh, because there's two of us, uh, we write our first drafts individually and together. And what I mean by that is this, is, is, is every morning, once that this outline is done, we'll get on FaceTime, Zoom, whatever, and we will say, okay, you're going to write this scene or this section might be two or three scenes, whatever it is, you know, about three to five pages of screenplay per day. You're going to write that. I'm going to write this scene and we'll talk through that scene, but Ben is going to write scenes one, two, and three, and I'm going to write scenes four, five, and six, yep. but we've outlined together. We've had a conversation in the morning, so there'll be no major surprises, but Ben goes away, writes his pages. I go away. I write my pages. Then we send them over to each other. Once they're done, Ben has complete carte blanche to rewrite anything and everything in the pages I've written. And I likewise can rewrite anything in his pages. And I think we've developed this level of trust over the 14 years where I go, whatever Ben's going to do is going to be great. And hopefully Ben feels the same way. <laughs> and then we get back after that and we put those pages together and then we read them through together. And there might be a moment where Ben goes, oh, you know what? So that line of dialogue, I really like that because X, Y, Z, and we have a conversation about it. Yeah. So by the end of a day, we've written on a good day between six and 10 screenplay pages that have actually been through multiple passes. They were mm. outlined together. We've sent them back and forth together and then we've combined them together at that mm. point. And then we do that the next day. We wrote a draft of a screenplay. I want to say it was last year. I think we did it in seven days. <gasps> what? Because we were wow. able to, we, we were able to, and it's not including the outline time. So yeah, add a week, add a week for outline. We just that's go bam game. and you, and you get, and again, that's, the, that's the first. Yes. Every, every every script is totally different. Some have taken a, a lot longer, especially yes. if you hit road bumps or you missed something and then you have to go back and like delete mm -hmm. everything that you've done. What, what software are you using for collaboration? We have a combination of stuff. So we actually write our scripts in fade in, which we much prefer to final draft. Um, that's our preference. Um, and then we, um, we both have dual monitor systems. So we, We'll FaceTime or Zoom or whatever on one monitor, and then we screen share using Apple's just integrated screen sharing software. And so we're always working off the exact same document at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, and that way it's real time, it's live, there's no lag, and he can take over the keyboard, I can take over the keyboard, we just keep going and, and yeah. in that sense. And I think the really important part that I love is when we come back and we and we combine those pages, that's when the voice becomes consistent because clearly Jake has a British accent and I don't. So we have to now, um, we, we have to find like what is the Lustig and Thornton voice of of this yeah. script. And, yeah. and it's gotten closer and closer as the years yeah, have gone on, but I do still yeah. think that that third pass sometimes is that most important pass because it go it's us reading it together going does this sound like us mm -hmm. instead of just him or me mm -hmm. you know? 
Absolutely. Yeah, that's just all so fascinating. I'd be so grateful if you would talk uh, us through, especially the emerging writers through the business side of your co-writing agreement. What does that look like for writers who may want to work together and decide to, you know, roll up their sleeves and collaborate on something? How do they each protect themselves and what does that look like legally? Legally? Uh, I don't know. Do you have a contract? Actually, have a contract. Um, you know, we don't have a contract. We've never, um, we've, I mean, it's interesting. I actually did have a contract with previous partners, but, but I feel like the more experience you have as a screenwriter, the less interesting that you become concerned with those types of yeah. problems. It's true. Um, because there are certain protections that you have um, just innately, whereby like if we're writing something together and I have emails and he has emails and we share yes. Google Drive, like there's there's so much evidence that we've worked on this together that they totally. never be able to just steal it and go off without getting sued. Yeah. Um, yeah. And not only that, the trust, I think, is such a huge part of a partnership. I do know people who are in partnerships that really don't have that trust. Mm-hmm. And they are constantly worried about, is this person going to go and try and do this? Or am I going to go and do this and all of that? Yeah. I think the main thing is Jake and I decided very early that if we were going to do this, we were going to do it together. And as, mm-hmm. as yeah. a, as a business, like we were yeah. starting a, a corporation that is Lustig and Thornton. We actually have our own separate corporations, but from the, from the, <laughs> the place of the business, like we have the same agent, we have the same manager, we have the same attorney. Yeah. Um, so your reps are negotiating for both of you on correct. everything that you take. Absolutely right. Yeah. Way. They don't, they don't represent us individually. Really? You know, if, if all of a sudden, you know, Ben went to a manager and was like, Hey, I've written a script. It would be okay. Well, you know, I don't represent just you. I represent you and Jake and you and Jake have a brand and we have been consistent in that brand. Now, if the other script was outside of our brand, like a few years ago, I wrote a script that was totally out of our brand. And I went to Ben and said, Hey, I want to write this story. How'd you feel? And Ben was like, yeah, I don't want to write that. It's nothing to, you know, that's not interesting to me at all. And I was like, I want to go and do this thing. And Ben was like, fine, go and do it. And our, my, our manager was like, yeah, I'll try. And also this isn't, this isn't the big brand that is you yeah. and Ben. So we're very aware of that brand and, um, you know, and it, and it, and it's, and it's, it's been very good to us. So. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, you know, I, again, I know other partnerships who have separate reps and that makes it so messy mm. um, where you have different reps that are trying to, that have different opinions about how to proceed negotiating wise and all that stuff. And I know one person who's, writing partner was willing to walk away from a deal and they were like i really need this deal why are they trying to walk away you know and we really just we make all those decisions together Mm -hmm. um we decide what we're going to work on next together we we have a rule that we pretty much stuck by which is it's you know two votes for a yes one vote for a no and we just that is across the board from creative decisions to business decisions if one of us Mm -hmm. doesn't want to do something or votes no on that thing we we'll always have the right to argue or 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 pitch our, yeah. our point of view on it, but at the end of the day, like it's a partnership, and you and you it's, treat it that way. It's just honestly, it's just like writing a script. You know, we just we collaborate on all of our decisions. We collaborate together. You know, this is this is our company. 
and yeah. and and we do it together so yeah. i love that this functional example in the industry yeah. of a working relationship it's really yeah, beautiful and you look yeah, at how much success you're having for it it just shows that this uh this crucible that you've built of trust and also for the realm of uh play inside of your creativity is really working it is thank you yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. you know and it's not that we don't it's I don't want to paint oh, yeah. like a rosy picture like every day is just perfect because yeah we we have struggles like any relationship I mean we, we joke that it's like another marriage but but in you know like we do not agree on everything and there are definitely times where we have to step away and come back and go okay let's talk through this and whether mm -hmm. it's a creative decision or a business decision and we treat them all you know equally mm -hmm. in terms of importance uh, and it's interesting because on our on our podcast going back to our, our our latest project we had a moment the other day where like i came back i was like yeah i'm not i'm not feeling comfortable about the decision that we made yesterday let's talk it through again and we did and it was all the better for it and again it's part of this again the business side and the creative side they work so they work so much in tandem and again the the parallels between writing a script and making a, a business decision are exactly the same because you go i think it should be this and here's why i think it should be this well let me ask you a question what if but that's interesting i hadn't thought about that but did a little you know like and you and you work it all through yeah. through constantly kind of challenging each other mm. or building upon that idea and in that way i do feel that me and ben become greater than the sum of our parts in every aspect again talking about the analogy earlier of making the film it was only when we got to set did we realize oh this has become bigger and better than the script that we just wrote the script that i would write on my own would be one thing the script that ben would write on his own would be another thing but when we come together it just becomes this beautiful thing baby and if there was, <laughs> I, I do think like if you're really worried about protecting yourself um one of the things we do, which is just kind of, we just started to do, but I do think it also gives us a, a certain level of protection is whenever we come to each other with a new idea and we like it, we start a document on our shared Google Drive and we put the, the idea in there and we have a shared drive that then becomes anything that is in that drive belongs to both of us. Yes. Um, and so even though that's a very small thing, it's like proof that you came up with that idea together. Mm. Um, sure. And it also for us goes to this, I mean, it's actually really great because then you have this whole catalog of ideas that you may have had, even if you don't use them at that time where you are going to go back eventually and go, oh, let's look at our folder of all those things we talked about during other sessions. Oh, yeah, that that was like only one line, but there's something there, you know. We did it yesterday. We literally do that all the time. We were like, hey, uh, is this a movie? Yeah, sure. Put it in the dog. We can't work on that right now, but maybe that's a nugget for two years time. Right. And uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Hey, um, we have a lot of emerging writers who listen to the podcast. What tips do you have for them? Any words of advice or even mistakes to avoid? I know they'd love to hear. Gosh. Um, <sighs> yeah, it's, it's always hard. Um, and and uh, here's, I, I think, one, one piece of advice I would give any emerging writer is that don't compare your journey to somebody else's journey um, mm -hmm. because everyone's is different. I know it's very hard because I suffer from always comparing myself to my peers um, and going, oh, they, they've been you know, successful for so much longer. They got their start in their 20s and I didn't sell my first big project until I was 35. You know, um, 
but it it's all about perseverance and you know while i didn't necessarily sell my first big script until my until 35 it was for a million dollars so it's like there's it's it's if this is something that you really believe in and you really want to do you have to be patient you have to be you have to persevere and you have to believe that you have something to contribute um and not try and copy or judge or compare yourself to somebody else yeah the biggest thing that i've been learning i think probably over the last year is really about the you know as creatives we are i think deeply emotional people and um when i work on a script that script is me there is so much of me in that script it's why everyone hates getting notes because I'm not getting notes on a script. I'm getting notes on me and the notes on me are, oh, my soul. You're, you're not quite ready yet. <laughs> you're not there yet. And, and it's very emotionally painful. And when we were replaced on our script, it was so emotionally painful because, Oh, I'm being separated from my child, you know? And then I began to have this really deep, somewhat spiritual understanding that I am not my script. I am not my career, actually. Um, these are things that I do in my life. And I am creating something and I need to be fully invested in it and emotionally invested in it in that stage of creation. And then I need to remind myself that this is not me. Um, and when I began to release that, I was able to I think take notes better. I was able to suffer less the maelstrom of uncertainty <laughs> in the industry with the things that I have out there in the world. And if a project dies, it's like, yeah, it's difficult when a project dies, but it wasn't taking it necessarily personally. So I think for me, the big thing has just been kind of going, you know, you are not your work. And yes, devote yourself 100% to the thing that you are creating. And also remember that that is not you. <laughs> <laughs> I think too, like in terms of like, and and they're they they're sometimes cliche, but they really are true. Which is that no one knows anything in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. They really, really don't. Our two biggest sales both were poo pooed by our reps before mm. we sold them, um, as we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. um, and that um, you know, there is a sense of you know, treat it like a business too. You know, mm -hmm. you are, you, yes, you're an artist, but in you're not a novelist, you're a screenwriter or a, or a TV writer. And so what you're writing is a product that you're selling to a corporation that then owns that product. Mm -hmm. And I think what Jake is talking about, it, it takes a while and, and to, to kind of make that paradigm shift to what I've written, I might love, in the same way that someone might love the design of the t-shirt that they just designed. But as soon as that person then pays you money and buys that from you, it's now theirs to do with whatever they want. And that has no reflection on you or the work that you did. You designed a great thing. And if they cut the sleeves off, they cut the sleeves off. Like, yeah. Can't, there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> and, and, and as we're talking earlier through the development process, it's not about you. Right. It's not about you. It's about this product that they bought. The, the, the other analogy, and I brought a blog post on this the other day, is it's you're an architect. Mm. And, you know, 
someone's built a house and you've sold these plans to the house builder and they've built the house. You go, oh, I designed that house. But three years later, someone comes in and goes, you know what? I want to knock down this wall. You as the architect don't get to go, but hang on a minute. I designed that house. It's like, so? <laughs> I yeah. mean, can you yeah. can you say if you knock down that wall, it's load bearing and da, da, da. Yes, you can, but they don't have to listen to you. That is a great analogy. That is a yeah. great analogy. It's so true. One of the best compliments we were given um, very early on in our career was by um, a, a very big senior VP at Sony who said, what's so rare about you guys, and I was shocked that she said rare, um, is that you guys know how to rewrite yourselves. And I was like kind of shocked by that because I was like, what do you mean? Like, isn't that like our job to rewrite ourselves? <laughs> um, but what she meant by it was that we were open to notes and not um, married to every single idea. And we were able to take those notes and then convert them into something that was what everyone was was looking for mm -hmm. and the reality is as soon as you sell it that your executive your producer your director your star they all are going to have input and you have to be able to go okay it's not just mine now they mm -hmm. own it i am now a hired gun and my job is to make everybody happy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know um and that that's that was an interesting yeah. thing and i guess a lot of writers can't do that a lot of yeah. also partly why a lot of writers get replaced is because mm -hmm. studio executives are worried that you won't be able to do that um especially if they don't know you mm. yeah. and lastly i think you know uh a tip for a new and emerging writers is um be religious about your time mm. you know i think you need to carve out time undisturbed time when you are going to be working. Um, um, I think it takes a minute to get into a creative flow. I think it takes between 20 minutes and half an hour to get into that space. It does for me. Um, but when I'm at work, I close my office door and I'm not really available. I'm working, you know, and obviously people may be working other jobs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's what is, what is that time that you put on your calendar that you mark off as like, I'm working on my script from 8 p.m. till 10 p.m. or during my lunch break, I'm going to go and do that, you know, and and you're not available during that time and you just focus on doing that during that time. I Think, love that. You know, I call it the, in, my, in my life, I call it the golden three because it seems for me like having three hours, just a blocked off three hours where no one can knock on the door and the phone is off and everything is like, that's what it takes to find that, that quiet place where the flow opens up and the ideas come and you can, you know, find the, find the rhythm again you know find the rhythm yeah. again of the project you've been working on you Absolutely. guys i loved having you on the show ben lustig and jake thornton where can people find you well we have a, a joint facebook page which is lustig and thornton at facebook um we also have our youtube channel which is um also lustig and thornton and then our podcasts um ben and jake write a movie we're both on social. Yes, I'm at I'm at Jake Thornton. Ben Lustig is at Ben underscore Lustig. Yeah. So, and we're on other on other platforms as well. But you can find various links in our in our various platforms there too. So yeah. yeah. Thank you guys so much for being here. I had such a great time talking to you. Oh, thank great. you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Hollywood Wolfpack. Watch Jake Thornton and Ben Lustig's terrific action-adventure period movie, Princess, streaming now on Hulu through May 28th. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. 
Please help our pack grow by sharing Hollywood Wolfpack with your friends and colleagues. Give us a rating and write us a review. Kaya loves hearing from you and reads them all. For more on Kaya and the Entertainment Business School, visit entertainmentbusinessleague.com. Until next week, remember, the strength of the pack is the wolf, and the strength of the wolf is the pack.